0: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And if you're an audio buff, volumes one through eight are there for your listening pleasure at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes at all. And by the way, I have an exciting announcement. My latest book, a lot of hard work went into it, folks. UFO Sightings and Encounters, Volume 1. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on this. Over 50 accounts, ranging from mutilations, flying triangles... Uh, USOs, you name it, this book's got it in it. And if you have an interest in UFOs, it should be available on Amazon by the time you're listening to this podcast this weekend. So go out, grab a copy, grab a Bigfoot book, give them to your friends, read them, but go out and get a copy of this UFO Sightings and Encounters. And now, without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing well. How about about you, Bill? You mentioned USOs.
1: Those are those unidentified submerged objects?
0: Yes, unidentified submerged or submersible objects. Ah, okay, submersible. So speaking of
1: Unidentified submersible objects. I was just in San Diego this week uh-huh. out there on business and uh, I had a cool hotel room that was right on the harbor there. And of course, the because of everything that's going on in the world, I'm sure the uh, The naval force there in San Diego, the fleet in San Diego, seemed pretty active while I was there. And it was so interesting, like first thing in the morning one day, I think it was Tuesday morning, this huge stealth missile cruiser comes like sailing right by the outside of my room. I was like, what the heck is that? Like talking about something intimidating. Yeah. And then the next morning I saw one of those uh, stealth completely stealth ships that, like, it almost looks like a, a submarine that's not submerged. Yeah. You know, so it's really low to the water. You can't see any people or anything. There's really not any deck that you can see. Um, and not a lot of windows and stuff that came cruising by. And I, I'd seen them, like, on uh, Discovery Channel and on the Internet, but I never saw one in person. It was wild.
0: What do you think the length of that? Uh, vessel was, Kev.
1: you know, you. Re- I couldn't tell. It was smaller than the missile cruiser. The missile cruiser was huge,
0: uh-huh. you know,
1: hundreds of feet long. So I don't, I don't know. But yeah. it's hard to tell when you don't have anything of scale. Like I, I always use the size of uh, people that are on the deck. You know, as a comparison to the length of the ship, you know, when you look at it and they look like ants, you're like, okay, that thing's 400 feet long, you know. Yeah. Um, But there were no people on it that you could see. So but really weird looking. Super. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is a, a super futuristic craft to behold. And, you know, I always say that when those are the things that you can see or that they allow you to see. Can you imagine what they have that you can't see? Yeah, and
1: they're not making any effort to hide it, obviously. It's a beautiful, sunny morning, and it's cruising down the center of the harbor in San Diego. You know, if it was something they didn't want you to see or wanted to hide a little bit, they could take it out at night, you know, enter the harbor at night or leave the harbor at night. and it'd be tough to tell what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, too. How yeah, far away cool. do you think you were from the from these ships uh looking out the window of the hotel room
1: oh i mean if you said i was at sea level no more than 100 yards wow yeah oh yeah they come right down the harbor there you know
0: wow i mean you were uptight and personal with these oh, yeah. boats yeah. going by yeah yeah wow yeah super wow, that's cool. incredible yeah uh really interesting you know and it's uh It's a head turn. Like you, I mean, over where you live, you always have those gunships flying around and uh, uh, those other uh, rotor driven planes with the variable wings on them. Yeah, the Ospreys, V 22 Ospreys. Ospreys. I saw a
1: couple Uh, of those out there too. I was with a guy from the Midwest and he saw the Ospreys. Like, I never saw one of those before. You know, and I showed him some of the videos on my phone when they're coming by and almost landing on the roof of my house.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah, oh, what is like that? Oh, That's cool. You know, when they're flying around your house, are the are the rotors up like helicopter?
1: It depends. So when they're coming down the beach, you know, doing uh, 150 knots or whatever, they're almost completely uh, parallel with the ground. Okay. You know, so more like an airplane. And then uh, some of the times they come right over the house and they've they've landed over at an old fort that's right near my house out at the coast called Fort Fisher. It's like a grass field there. It's not an airport. It's an Mm -hmm. old old training area uh, for for, uh, Air Force. And um, when they land there once in a while or do a touch and go there, boy, it feels like the house is going to fall down because boy, oh boy. you know those those rotors or propellers whatever they are are gigantic yeah and then when they turn them vertical and they come right over you like at like a hundred feet or so it's like open headers on you know uh a 5,000 horsepower engine times two or whatever it is.
0: but I mean, it's so loud. It's crazy. I'm just wondering what the prop wash is like. Oh, yeah. Down the trees
1: them. were whipping around, you know. I was out there washing the car the first time it happened. And I, I was actually worried because I thought they were having a problem. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, holy cow, is this thing going to go down? Like, are they crashing? You know? Wow. Um, I was thinking about taking cover.
0: Wow. oh my god yeah wow Uh, that's incredible they're quite something
1: to see those v22 ospreys are spectacular
0: yeah i didn't mean to change the subject but you know i have an an interest in these as you do you know no doubt about Um, it
1: the military stuff and the the people in the military you know as usual thank you for your service especially at times of higher tension like we're at right now
0: yeah yeah Um, god bless these guys yeah. So so, what do we have about cryptids in the news and other oddities? This yeah.
1: Evening? So we're we're gonna. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of a coincidence uh, with the announcement of your latest book, Bill. But I'm going to give a little bit of an update on some of the stuff that's going on around uh, the publicized and funded investigation of UFOs or uh, UAPs, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena. Okay. Yeah, so there was an article a few weeks back in The Guardian over in the UK. And uh, a couple of the folks uh, over there are talking about the fact that, you know, the U.S. government had its release of the report in June on UAPs. And of course, you know, you had the 60 Minutes episode that covered the Tic Tac incident off San Diego, where the Navy pilots, the F 18 pilots, um, you know, saw clearly, you know, unidentified flying objects showed up on the radar of the fighter aircraft as well as the ship's radar and moving in these like random and high speed motions that, you know, no other no other known craft uh, is able to do. And also that drone, drone attack of sorts, maybe attack's too strong of a word, but where the Navy ships got swarmed by those drone-like objects, again, off San Diego, out in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, You know, very well documented, all during the daytime, and um, uh, great footage. Even the footage that's released, you can imagine what they have that we haven't seen and no explanation for it other than, you know, UAP. I mean, it's certainly not a, a weather balloon or group of weather balloons or weather phenomena
0: or anything like that. Bill, well, look. If you're anything, swarming U.S. Navy vessels in oh, yeah. daylight, yeah, they they have no fear or don't know what they're swarming or don't care, right? But they could have opened up uh, freaking Gatling guns on them or anything else if they wanted to, you no, know. And maybe
1: who knows? Maybe they did, Bill. You know, like who knows? Like, yeah, we, we, we won't know unless somebody uh, reports on it that was there. But yeah. in this article, um, it, it, the interesting thing with all of this research going on and all of these uh, pledges of honesty and openness from the government now, um, there's a gentleman over there named Nick Pope, who spent the 1990s investigating UFOs for the British Ministry of Defense. He's quoted several times in this article, and the interesting thing that he says is, that he's very he's confident that 2022 is going to be a seismic year for UFOs. Wow. And, you know, he thinks that because it's given because of folks talking about it much more openly, that he thinks we're going to see a lot more high caliber witnesses coming forward, including commercial airline pilots, military air crew, radar operators and intelligence officers that have direct knowledge of the subject. Because we know, Bill, we've reported on it, and it's kind of common sense, too, by the way, that there are a lot of sightings out there through the years, and people just don't come forward with the information, especially these pilots, you know, professional pilots, because, you know, they don't want to lose credibility and perhaps get fired or miss out on a promotion or something like that because, uh, people think they're crazy because they they say they saw a UFO.
0: Yeah. You know, Kevin, in the writing of this first volume, uh, UFO Sightings and Encounters, uh, I realized that a lot of people making reports are older, uh, retired, uh, and they've lost the inhibition of talking about what happened to them at that point. You know, and of course, if you're a pilot— Once you're in retirement, nobody can hurt you anymore, right? You're not going to lose your job as an airline pilot.
1: Yeah, you don't have anything hanging over your head. But, I I mean, honestly, if I was an airline pilot and I saw this stuff, as I'm sure so many airline pilots see when they're flying, even across the U.S., but certainly, you know, I've been on so many flights to Asia and Australia where you're flying for 14, 15 hours at 35,000 feet you know, under the starlit sky, I'm sure they see a lot of weird stuff. How about you? You ever see anything looking out the window or are you sleeping? Uh, I've seen uh, northern lights okay. uh, from an airplane. I've never seen them outside of an airplane, but that was spectacular. And thankfully, uh-huh. the pilot came on to tell us uh, that we could see it because I might have thought I was hallucinating. You know, it looked like. Uh, The best description I could say is it looked like from the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open up the Ark of the Covenant and that green freaky stuff comes out of it and is whipping along the ground bright green. That's that's what the uh, northern lights looked like when I saw it. I was like, what the hell is that out
0: there? Yeah, but no discs, nothing. No. No, not
1: on not, not on the plane. You know, I talked about in earlier podcasts when I was out in uh, Los Angeles, and I saw what now, and I documented, I have great video of it from my phone, not shaky video, by the way, like it's good video, and because uh, it went on for about 25 minutes, and now it's been reported as a uh, Trident missile that was fired off of a submarine off the coast of LA, which I... You know, we talked about it, Bill. I'm just not really buying that you'd be launching these huge missiles off of subs off of Los Angeles. And this was Friday night at 8
0: o'clock, you know. Right. And for 20 minutes, by the way. 20 minutes. It's going north
1: along the coast. And it's like taking up one third of the sky. So you didn't have to be paying attention to see this thing. It was like, what the heck is that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So oh. so, uh, pretty cool. And then there's another project that I want to report on uh, that The Guardian also reported on um, out of Harvard College at the observatory at Harvard College. This is a privately funded project, which involves more than 100 scientists. And they're building a telescope system on the roof of the Harvard College Observatory. And it will begin operating this summer, the summer of 2022. And they're promising to make the findings of the project uh, publicly available. And basically, they're going to have this series of telescopes that will leverage infrared cameras to take 24-7 video of the sky, also equipped with radio sensors, audio sensors, and a magnetometer to detect any objects that might be present that are non-visual objects. And then they're going to feed everything they're finding 24-7 through some artificial intelligence uh, computer systems to analyze the data, of course, record the data, and then filter out objects that aren't of interest like birds, you know, man-made drones, airplanes coming by, meteor showers, and really pay extra attention to any objects that are not human-made.
0: Well, wow, that's going to be interesting, and I hope they are honest and uh, forthright with whatever evidence they come up with in sharing it with uh, all of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it because it's basically like a trail camera, series of trail cameras leveraging more than video technology aimed up at the sky 24-7. They got they got to see some stuff, you know?
0: There's no doubt about it. When no you're doubt covering, about it. Yeah, when you're covering the sky in that manner... Uh, with the type of equipment I'm sure they'll have at their disposal. Uh, There's going to be some interesting artifacts uh, coming out of that program, I guarantee.
1: Yeah, and the guy who leads this project, his name is Avi Loeb, and it's pretty interesting. He has a great quote, Bill, that you as a fisherman and me as a fisherman uh, uh, will get a lot out of, and he says, It's just like a fisherman on the beach. Looking on, standing on the beach, looking at the ocean, saying, where are all the fish? I don't see anything. And he says, obviously, if you don't use a fishing net, you're not going to find anything. So, you know, he yeah. talks about this, uh, this series of telescopes as kind of a fishing net to catch, uh, catch UFO sightings.
0: Right. Well, you know, you cast a broad net and something's going to fly into that thing.
1: Exactly. But if you're just looking at the surface of the water, you're not going to see fish pretty rarely well, are you gonna see
0: fish. Yeah, unless something breaches the surface, you know, but Exactly. Exactly. Of course, we all know that once you get eyes under the water, the whole thing is like wow. Oh, yeah. You know. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't Kev, you so remember some, yeah, go ahead, go well, ahead. Well, I was just going to say some of the old uh stuff that we can now see where uh Even looking underwater, when the first divers went down and the first underwater camera footage was shown, which to us is archaic at this point, but when those first pieces of footage were shown to people, they were amazed at what was under the surface uh, that they could now see with these brief pieces of footage that was being presented uh, to them. So this is really the same thing, but more futuristic.
1: Yeah, well, you I don't know if you saw I I'm going to get the name of the ship wrong. I'm not prepared on this front, but I'm just thinking about it. I don't know if you saw it earlier this week, but they they found uh the ship um uh that ran aground on the ice like 100 years ago at the South Pole. Um and ended up sinking. Um I'm trying to, I want to say relentless, but that's not the name, but it's a similar name like that where uh, it should have been that everybody died, but the captain exhibited great leadership and one told everyone to get off the boat because the ice was going to crush it. And then they got onto these ice flows and he made it to a place of civilization and then came back and rescued the rest of the crew. But they found the ship under the water and because the water so cold down there, Uh, You know, there's not much living in it. The footage uh, from the uh, submersible, I mean, you can see the captain's wheel of the old sailing ship. It's spectacular, like great condition.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Kev, uh, I don't know how this happens mentally. I was just having this discussion about the captain and the boat uh, last night at work. And do you know I am drawing a complete blank on the name of the vessel <laughs> the name, I know, and the I captain's know. name?
1: I know, me too, me too. I don't, but it's, I don't
0: know how that happens.
1: I know, I know. Uh, I know it know, happens for me today because I got up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and I've been flying all day from San Diego. So
0: Yeah, it's like uh, a brain fog.
1: I need a, I need a nap. <laughs> 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 That's how it's happening.
0: Yeah, we'll forgive you.
1: I know, I know. But that's so that's uh, cryptids in the news and other oddities this week. So we I got the the receiver tuned in every week to what's going on with uh any of this UFO reporting. So if I see anything, I'm definitely going to report on it. And of course, any of you out there as listeners, you're really great about it. If you see something and say something, and it can, it can be something that you see in the news, too, by the way. If I miss something or you see something in another part of the world that I'm not tuned into, please uh, please report on it.
0: And by Send the way, us a note. I, I was just going to say, Kev, that, by the way, coming from Nick Pope, uh, that was quite a statement for him to make about uh, this year being a banner year for UFO. Yeah,
1: seismic seismic year for UFO sightings.
0: Yeah, that's really... uh, We'll see. We'll see what happens, you know?
1: Super cool. So do you have a hairy man sighting for us tonight?
0: I actually do, folks. And uh, this came from a guy named Hector Rodriguez... (laughs) who, believe it or not, hails from the boroughs of New York City. And uh, pretty incredible uh, what he experienced uh, as a leader uh, in the Boy Scouts. He said this, I had just retired from the NYPD when I got involved with the Scouts as an adult, returning to an organization that I had first enjoyed as a young boy. I should mention that I was a cub and a wee blow, but by the time I was ready for full-blown Boy Scouts, things weren't great in my family, so I couldn't continue on. I wanted to help boys participate in a way that I was unable to when I was a child. Our troop was in the boroughs of NYC, which is not much of a place for scouting, but better than hanging out on the streets with many of the young boys having had a pretty rough life. Some came from families that didn't have a proverbial pot to piss in, and if you can believe it, some of the boys had never seen a beach or been out of their burrow their entire life. Such is the life of many inner-city youths. Some of the older men and I would pool together cash periodically to help the kids out when they needed it. The leaders and I had gotten together to plan a trip. We wanted to gear it around both scouting and vacationing. And when we unveiled our plan to the boys, they went crazy. In a year, when we were going to go, oh, excuse me, in a year, we were going to go to Yellowstone. Now, for the most part, these kids could not count on family money to fund them. And we knew that. So we had the boys do some fundraisers in their churches and pounding the bricks for some cash from local businesses. They actually did quite well, and the leaders and I kicked in about five grand in total to supplement the rest of the money that we needed. We had planned ahead and made reservations for two cabins near the park. There were four adults and nine boys in total. Knowing that it would be a tight squeeze, nobody cared, for this would be the trip of a lifetime for all of us. The furthest I had ever been from home was a charter fishing trip in Montauk Point, Long Island. Even though I was 51, I was still very much like these little guys. In my heart, I knew that this trip would provide good and lasting memories for all of us as well. They were a great bunch of young people and they were proud of being scouts. Finally, all the pieces came together. We arrived at the cabins. They were really cool, and the boys were already grinning from ear to ear. After a life of never seeing anything other than concrete and cars, this location was paradise, and it was the beginning of something that I never wanted to end. Our agenda was to do a little bit of everything, which involved a lot of walking, but we were all up to the task and Wild Horses couldn't have slowed down the boys and myself and the others from completing our agenda. Finally, all the pieces came together. Excuse me, I went—I backtracked. If I recall correctly, we were on our fourth day in the park when we scoped out a fairly rigorous trail that we would take up as high as we could, along the side of the mountain. Three of the men were at the head of the pack, and I was trailing behind to catch any stragglers. We reached an area where we hugged the side of a rock wall as we walked, with a steep hillside sloping off and down to our left. The hillside was covered with a great deal of smaller and larger pine trees, even though it was nowhere near the end of the trail, this was about as high as we would go this day. And so we stopped for a refreshment break before starting our descent. As we set off, I realized that something inside of my boot was poking my foot. So I stopped to take my boot off without saying anything to the others, and they kept on walking without me. At the time, I thought nothing of it and that it would only take a minute and I'd scurry to catch up with them. When I had finished and looked up, they were already gone around the bend and had passed clearly out of my sight, and I couldn't hear their voices anymore either. I was putting the boot back on as the tops of several trees off to my right side started to shake violently. A few seconds later, a large ape-like monster emerged from the side of this wooded slope walking on all fours. It stopped directly in front of me, blocking the trail and my descent, rising to its hind legs. It was almost the same height as me, which was a little over six feet tall, but it must have weighed 700 pounds since its body was like a block of muscles. The creature's face was kind of like a human's, but it didn't look entirely like a gorilla either. It was sort of like a hybrid, if that makes any sense to you. All it did was stand there, moving its head around in a weird way, while not really focusing its eyes on me. It kept opening and shutting its mouth like it wanted to stretch its jaws without making a sound. After a minute, it started to swat the branches next to it, and frankly, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to shout for fear that I would startle it, so I started to slowly backtrack up the trail, hoping it would go back down the slope, but it didn't. Instead, this thing started to follow me up the trail, and I didn't know what to do if it would attack me. I withdrew my knife, since it was the only thing I had on me, and braced myself for what I believed would be the inevitable. Suddenly, I could hear the group calling my name, and from the sounds of their voices, they were obviously getting closer and had no way of knowing what they were walking into. As their voices got louder and louder, this thing started shaking and twitching, when with one quick hop, it leapt off the side of the trail and back down the slope into the trees. I could see some trees moving and could hear it going down the side of the embankment. When we met back up, I was asked all the usual questions. Where were you? Why didn't you tell us to stop? We thought you got hurt. All I said to them was that something was hurting my foot and I had stopped to take my boot off. I didn't want to scare them and I said nothing. That night when the boys nodded off, the guys and I shared a couple of beers, and I told them what really happened on the trail. John said to me that he knew something was up when he looked at my face, saying I looked as white as a ghost. Hearing about what transpired left them just as baffled as I had been while I was experiencing it. To this days, the boys have never heard a word about it, In fact, one of the boys is about to retire from the NYPD. Time really flies. And as I always do, I asked Hector to embellish on the description of the creature. And here is what he said. Well, its head was slightly cone-shaped. It didn't come to a sharp... Excuse me. Its head was slightly cone-shaped. It didn't come to a sharp point, but it wasn't rounded like a man's either. It also stunk a little, kind of like a locker room after a workout. The eyes were black as an eight ball and very shiny, but they were also deeply recessed in its head. It had an extremely large jaw that jutted out at the chin, which reminded me of the old cartoon character Gigantor the space-age robot. I was less than 15 feet away from this thing, and it had a lot of hair on it, but not entirely covered like a bear or a dog. The hair also was longer in length than animal fur. In some areas, it must have been 8 or 10 inches. It looked really nervous, and its movements were really jerky and abrupt. It made no sudden movements toward me, but who knows what might have happened if the circumstances were different. It was built like some kind of superhuman lineman. It had virtually no waist. Rather, the beast was like a wide cube of muscles. Its arms were extremely long and thick, and I could see the individual muscles through the fur. When it wasn't moving, its hands were at full length below its knees. And when it walked, it wasn't like a monkey or a chimp. The thing walked like you and me, standing straight up except for a slight hunch in its posture. Most of that lean was with its head, which seemed to sit forward of its shoulders. I think when I initially saw it emerge, it was climbing up the hillside like we would, using its hands and feet for grip. Well, that's about all I can say. It was an astonishing experience. What do you think of that, Kev?
1: That's pretty wild, Bill. Like these uh, scoutmasters running into uh, the hairy man, right? Of course, it's in a big national park. It's probably off the beaten path a little bit in the national park if they're going out and camping and hiking as a scouting troop. So more likely to see something. You know what
0: it reminded me of, too? Uh, These accounts of missing people where one person gets picked off uh, never to be seen again. Mm. And if you think about this guy, he had stopped. Now, if you were with a group of people and people were laughing, uh, carousing around with each other, hiking around and All of a sudden, Bill at the back disappears. You're not necessarily thinking the guy behind you is going to disappear from the planet. In this case, this guy just knelt down to pull his boot off and pull a thorn out or whatever was bothering his foot and didn't say anything. Right. So he was just thinking like, yeah, I'll catch up with him. Just give me a minute here and just bent down, slipped his boot off, you know, and figured if I have to, I'll trot and catch up with him. But yeah, common
1: yeah. common mistake, by the way. You know, you don't want to do that. Because even if it's not the hairy man, you don't want to, like, be catching up, slip and fall, and people don't even know you weren't with them,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean, would I have done that? I think I could say I wouldn't have. I probably would have just said, hey, hang on for a minute, guys. I got something sticking exactly. my foot.
1: Exactly, at least to the person that's right in front of you.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: you don't have to announce it to the whole group or something like that. You don't have to stop everybody, but certainly the person right in front of you, if you're the last one.
0: But in how a row. about this? How about this thing coming up out of the bushes and blocking his path? Ooh, crazy. Yeah, just standing there, not attacking him, not doing anything, just kind of moving around. He said it was stretching its mouth open and you know, maybe moving <laughs> He definitely around got a, a
1: close up close up view and the description uh you know did it justice for sure, those I dark, mean, dark black eyes close enough to smell it too, right,
0: yeah, at fifteen feet away he says, yeah that's cl- that's yeah, that's, close. than- <laughs> that's closer than I want to be under any circumstances, no doubt about it, well listen, man, you know not particularly a giant. Six foot tall, you know, a little taller than him. Mm. But uh, as big as, uh, you know, the biggest bodybuilder you've ever sighted eyes on times two, you know? Mm, yeah. That's freaking crazy, man. And
1: way then crazy.
0: And away it went down the hill. So very bizarre. I don't know. I think if that guy had gone much longer, maybe the tables would have been turned. Yeah. Uh, or... Maybe, obviously, this thing knew they were there, this group. Oh, and he's had,
1: watching them, yeah.
0: Yeah, and came into position after this guy was singled out.
1: Well, I also was going to say, same thing, like, if you were looking for bear, you're much more likely to see one if you're by yourself than in a big group. You know, because a big group, you're moving along, hiking, and you're talking to one another, you're making noise, and and, you're, and, you, and the smell Of the group. You know, these animals, these critters, they smell you, they hear you, they see you before you see them most of the time. And the bigger your group is, the more likely they're going to sense you, and therefore the less likely you're going to see them.
0: Well, let me say this if you're next to me, you're going to smell me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I smell what you're saying. (laughs) I smell what you're cooking.
1: I'm 600 miles away, and I smell what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Little foot, big stink. (laughs) A great account, man. And you know what? I'm really looking forward uh, to this Harvard thing as well, Kev, this investigation. Uh, so we'll have to see what they come up with and what they start. Uh, printing. Yeah, maybe
1: when it goes live too, we'll be able to look at it, you know, and look at some of the recordings and stuff too. You know,
0: who I knows? Maybe so. they'll
1: have a live, uh, live look at it or a YouTube channel or something like that. We'll have, we'll have to watch. And if any of our listeners are up there on Harvard's campus in Boston, Massachusetts, Boston, MA, yep. nah, uh, let us uh-huh. know. You know especially if you're working on this project,
0: yeah, and it uh we'll have to give ourselves a little resolve to uh tap into the Harvard website and look into it periodically. There's got to be some segment on there where these guys will be uh uh posting uh this project as it goes along oh
1: absolutely That's hundred yeah, percent great account well, bill
0: <coughs> yeah fantastic. And, uh, you know, again, it it reminds me of uh, some of the accounts that I have. One of them we haven't gotten to yet that was really sad and creepy. Uh, And uh, a lot of the 411 info about missing persons Mm. uh, rings kind of true with this type of encounter. Mm. uh, Where one was cut off and evidently... Look, Kev, if this thing had gotten a jump on him uh could have smashed his head like a pumpkin before he could have said anything, broke his neck. Uh, you could think of any number of scenarios.
1: Oh, I mean I, I told you and I think I mentioned it on this podcast, when I moved out to Spokane, Washington, we would go mountain biking out there and uh they would give us these stickers that were like a set of eyes, a set of big like black and white eyes that you had to put on the back of your helmet. And I thought they were joking around, but they said no. Like, as we're rolling down the mountain out in the wilderness out there in northern Idaho and eastern Washington, there's so many mountain lions mountain lions, that they would pick off routinely the last person in the line coming down the mountain on the mountain bikes. So they, you'd put these eyes on the back of the helmet, and uh, it would it would. It was believed that it would prevent the mountain lions from coming at you because they like to surprise attack, and they thought you were looking at them if they
0: saw the eyes. Yeah, and they gleaned that trick from some of these people like in Indonesia and Malaysia and stuff. Well, even the they, fish,
1: Bill. You see the fish that have this spot on them that looks like an eye facing backwards, you know, to scare a predator away from them.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know over there in the Eastern world, they wear masks on the back of their head when you're the last guy in line. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it looks like a a human face looking as you're walking away, you know? Ah. Yeah, a full face mask, but on the back of the last guy's head.
1: Very tricky. Maybe a shrunken head you're wearing behind your head.
0: A Bigfoot face. (laughs) <laughs> ah. <laughs> That'll freak you out even if you're a tiger. <laughs> oh yeah. what wow, the that? Good is stuff. that? <laughs> yeah. Good <coughs> stuff, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So what cool. we got from our right. listeners? Anything? Uh... yeah,
1: we got some good listener mail this week, as usual. Thank you folks for sending in the mail. The first one comes from John from Dublin, Ireland. Ah. And the subject is St. Patrick's Day.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, because it's coming up here. And he says, Dear Bill and Kevin, I wish you both a happy St. Patrick's Day from Dublin, Ireland. Uh I love your show. Some Irish leprechauns, the little people, will soon trip up those Bigfoot. (laughs) Some of those Bigfoot with red eyes. Well may well be red russians. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I will remember your wife in my prayers, Bill. Best wishes, John from Dublin, Ireland. Ah, thank you, John.
0: Yeah, and happy St. Shant- Patrick's Day to you, John. Yeah, you shanty old Irishman. Have a pint of Guinness for me. Some of the <laughs> modest milk. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Just a little tap on the shoulders from our listeners and uh I it's amazing how many people have listened to us over there. Oh from all over the world, yeah. But certainly yeah. in uh in
1: Ireland, the Republic of Ireland and the UK, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh it's unbelievable, you know, and we're glad to have you on board, all of you blokes. <laughs> It doesn't and take our, much, yeah. folks. Just a hello. Just a hello. You know. Oh good yeah, we, we just, love hearing
1: from you, even if we don't read your your uh, note. We still love it. If we don't read it on the air, we will read them all, and they they keep us going. We love hearing from you.
0: Yeah, no, it's nice. It gives us a so, connection. You know.
1: Yeah. So we'll move over from the Republic of Ireland to Cam from the UK. Uh huh. And he says, "Hey, you guys, Bill and Ted." A little reference a little reference to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. He says, Sorry, I mean Bill and Kev. It's uh-huh. Cam again from the UK. And uh-huh. not Cam Newton Kev. Thank goodness. I'm not a Cam Newton fan. He says, I've gotten myself all confused with where I am in the episodes. So I don't know where the heck I am. I don't know if I'm on foot or horseback, as my old dad used to say. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you talking about the Jersey Devil or Devils or something in one of your episodes. Wasn't that a team from the failed USFL, the U.S. Football League, (laughs) from the mid-80s? And it's like, no, Cam, that was the New Jersey Generals with Herschel Walker in the gang. But um but but the Devils actually the Jersey Devil is what the NHL hockey team, the New Jersey Devils, is named after. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty cool that an NHL team is named after a cryptid.
0: <laughs> so You know, I, you I know. gotta think, Kev, don't you think when they named the New Jersey Devil hockey team they were thinking about the Jersey Devil?
1: Oh definitely, one hundred percent. It's documented. Yeah, oh it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, I didn't 100%. know that. I thought somebody yeah.
0: just came up with that name, you know? No,
1: it's it's definitely named after the Jersey Devils, you know. And now, wow. now you got the Seattle. I saw the Seattle Kraken play last Sunday night against my Carolina Hurricanes in person, and you know, so that's the newest team in the NHL named after the fabled Kraken sea monster. So we got yeah. another
0: uh, another uh, cryptid. Hockey team, which is great. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why we don't have a professional Sasquatch team or a big. Well, they they
1: do have a uh, some minor teams in NHL that are uh, the hairy man. I know. I saw a jersey a couple of weeks ago. Somebody had on. I tried to take a picture of it, but it didn't work out. Of the uh, skunk apes, some like junior hockey team from Florida, and it had a big okay. hairy man on it. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was a good looking jersey. I got to try to find one of those on eBay.
0: Maybe down in Louisiana, we got the Rougarou. Little Rougarou team. I'd I'd definitely pay money for that jersey. That's right. How about the Dogmen of Arkansas? (laughs) Don't mess with the Dogmen. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, back to
1: Cam, he says, I often chuckle to myself while I'm listening to you guys on my Bluetooth earpiece, which can draw occasionally an odd perplexed glance. Uh, from the other people that he works with, which is pretty funny. I've, I've been, I've been there, Cam. I've been sitting on an airplane and just bust out laughing while I have my little hidden Bluetooth uh, earpieces, earbuds in my ears, and people look at me like I'm freakier than I already am.
0: And you know me, Kev. I got nothing to do with laughing in public. No, I know, right? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh-huh. And then unco- completely coincidentally, we're gonna go from Cam in the UK to Lisa from New Jersey. Uh-huh. So pretty interesting. We we have the mention of the Jersey Devil and we end up in New Jersey.
0: All right.
1: And she says, just a couple of questions. Hello, gentlemen. I'm not sure who this who she's talking to, Bill. Um, but she <laughs> says since there have been so many sightings of both Bigfoot and Dogman in the U.S. Have you heard of any sightings of both of them, perhaps at the same time? Oh, she says, no, perhaps in the same area, not necessarily at the same time. My second question to you both is, assuming they may have had overlapping territories, do you think that Bigfoot has or would protect a human being from a creature like Dogman? Or would they simply mind their own business like many other apex predators in the wild would do? I know these questions may seem crazy, but if these creatures do exist at all, do they coexist with each other? Thanks for taking the time to read my email, and please keep the stories coming. Lisa from New Jersey. By the way, Lisa, those are some great questions. They're not crazy at all.
0: (laughs) But... Very difficult to answer, Kev. I mean, what do you? Well, do you yeah. Say I mean, that? I
1: think based on your based on the accounts you've come across, um, you know, I don't know. She's not asking this, but we might as well say it. I I think there was an account, Bill, whether it was a dog man and a bigfoot together, or did, did I dream that one? Maybe. I think you dreamt
0: it because I've never I dreamt heard it. of could it. Could be.
1: I often dream of dog man, so it could be.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I know we had to fight where the two bigfoot were squaring off. Oh
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: In that territorial battle, that was something. And I actually have another one we're going to get into at some point uh, where it seems that these guys encountered another similar struggle but at a greater distance. But we'll we'll get yeah. there. But Yeah, and I, I think in a,
1: in a yeah, in a greater area like Michigan. You know, we hear of Bigfoot in Michigan and certainly Dogman in Michigan, but that's a very large area. I don't know if they coexist in the same acreage and stuff like that. I doubt it. And then the question like, would a Bigfoot, <clears throat> excuse me, potentially protect a human from a Dogman? I mean, possibly, right? Dogman generally thought of some type of more evil creature than a Bigfoot. I don't know. What do you think, Bill?
0: I don't know, but I think in nature, uh, animals tend to avoid each other unless you're right. going to attack uh, the other for food or territory. And that's and her that's
1: reference, I guess, to other apex predators. You know,
0: yeah, grizzly's not going to
1: save you, you know, from an orca whale or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. That I don't way. know. So. It's a weird phenomenon, and I don't think we're going to be able to come up with a suitable answer no, uh, because it's totally conjecture what would happen, you
1: know. But, Lisa, I love the questions. I love them. I don't think they're crazy at all. It gets us thinking. It's
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And thanks for chiming in, Lisa. Yeah. Wow. And
1: then our last email, Bill, comes in from Chester. And uh, Chester says... In your last episode, which was really fun, by the way, you mentioned that you were recording it on both your dad's birthday and Bill and Paula's anniversary. How ah. could it get any better or cooler than that? Yeah. And yeah. he says, well, that, same, that very same day, my sweet sister-in-law and dear sister in Christ gave birth to her second child. Wow. Praise the Lord. And then he has a funny, so thank you, Chester. Uh, And then he has a funny question in the end. He says, I do have one question for you two. Which one of you is Waino, and which one is Plutonor?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which were those crazy wild men, right? You know, Kevin, I told you, uh, when I looked at the pictures that you posted of those two little cats You know, I thought I was going to see some stocky little beefy uh, characters when you told me about them lifting hundreds uh, of pounds,
1: two hundred pound humans, and they were only forty inches tall, or what? No, they were only forty five pounds each, or whatever. Yeah, and they was scrawny little characters, scrawny little cavemen of sorts.
0: Strange looking little buggers, too, man. Yeah, yeah. Wayne, and Wano by the way, Plutonore? Bill,
1: yeah, I don't know which one is which, Wayno or Plutonor. Who do you want to be, Bill? I'll give you a yeah. preference.
0: I'll I'll take Plutonor. Oh,
1: I was going to take Plutonor.
0: All right, you can be. <laughs> I'll I'll be Wayneo. All right, Wayneo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but thanks for the note, Chester. And Bill, by the way, it came to me while we were talking. When we were talking earlier in the podcast about the ship being discovered, it was the Endurance. So I was close, oh, yeah. and it was Shackleton, Captain yeah. uh, Ernest Shackleton. So yeah. pretty cool, folks. If you haven't seen that footage, uh, look it up. You know, you just Google it, Shackleton ship, Endurance, or whatever, and you'll see the footage this week that was posted of the discovery of the ship. And it's, it's like in beautiful condition under the icy, clear waters.
0: Well, mind you, Kev, uh now beautiful condition, maybe the pieces are in good shape, but that truck of uh, that truck, that ship got crushed. Over oh yeah, but you can time time see like the the, ice.
1: the shot I saw was from the stern of it and like the stern rail was all the way around the back and the ship's wheel was intact and clearly the ship's right. wheel. Now it probably had huge gaping holes. In the hull yeah, of the was, ship, yeah,
0: it got it got crushed pretty good, and you know you can see the name Endurance on the yeah on the transom that's of cool. the boat. You know, hundred yeah. years
1: ago, right? You know,
0: yeah, that was an incredible uh, story of survival Oh, yeah. uh, and and man's will uh, winning out over incredible odds
1: and great leadership. Uh, you know, him stepping yeah. in, the captain stepping in and telling them all what to do, right? That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. You know, Kev, I'm just thinking maybe you could just do a brief exegesis one day on what happened to them. Like a real condensed version. Oh,
1: yeah, that would be cool. I'm up for yeah, that.
0: Because it's, worth, it's worth talking about, uh, even though you could probably spend a solid hour just talking about it, but... Maybe one day on other oddities, we could give that a shot. Yeah, I give think that the a shot. would
1: be you know? interested in that. I'm certainly interested yeah. in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was an incredible cool. feat. Very cool. Wow, that's great stuff, man. So that's it, huh? That's it. Well, remember, folks, if you should find yourself walking around in the New Jersey Pine Barrens, Perhaps you may encounter the Jersey Devil. And if that happens, you better remember just one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.